0: great topic right no i 'm really thankful for the chance just to share a little bit. I feel like we have an awesome opportunity as a church in the area of mental health. I think you guys have an opportunity as business leaders and um, and really that's that 's kind of what this next few minutes is about. Let me set my watch normally um, i 'll do about three hours on this so going to get the condensed Cliff Notes version, and what, what I'll do is just try to dip down and um, share some big ideas, some bullet points, just a couple of verses you might want to write down and go back and review later. If you have questions, we'll have a little bit of time at the end, but I'm just going hit to the, hit the high notes. We started um, particularly about four or five years ago because we saw the rise um, of anxiety specifically, but I think anxiety is like the, the gateway to... Depression and a lot of different things. But we saw it with our young interns that were coming in, our college students. Um, but I, I think if I, if I think about the picture, I feel like it's gone both ways. It's gone younger and it's gone higher. And the truth is our interns just weren't as good as hiding it as everybody else is. And so um, it's a pervasive thing. There was a study last week that came out related to um, COVID, so they, there were 5,000, a little over 5,000, about 5,500 people surveyed the last week of June. This is a national survey. Um, anxiety and depression was four times higher what it was last year. 40% of the 5,500 people that were surveyed showed some symptoms of anxiety and or depression. 13% had turned to substance abuse to cope with their anxiety and depression. had considered suicide. But in the 18 to 24 range, 25%. So one out of four had contemplated suicide. Um, I mean, those are pretty devastating numbers if you just kind of think about one out of four, 18 to 24-year-olds in a pandemic thinking about taking their life. Um, So, I mean, that's obviously... The world. I mean, that's the United States. That's not necessarily South Carolina, not necessarily the upstate, but I think it's more real than we would like to think. It's more pervasive than we would like to think. Um, so as we talk about mental health, I think we've just got to get better at even forming those words, mental health, mental health, mental health. we talk about physical health, relational health, emotional health. I think we need to be good talking about mental health. We need to be good talking about mental wellness. Mental illness kind of scares us, but we need to be really good at talking about mental wellness and understand that if we're not well, then we're at a threat to be ill. And um, you talk about a way to serve people, a way to serve people in your business, to have good, fully formed ideas around what mental health looks like for those that you're responsible for and to help them get some things that they might not be able to get for themselves they can't see it for themselves. Um, And I'm going to talk about that at at the very end. So um, some of the resources that have been helpful, we actually have a support group here at Grace called Family Grace, and it's for family members that uh, have someone who is struggling with a mental health issue. And it's a very broad range of mental health issues, and these groups come together. I served as a pastor um, overseeing one of those groups and met a lot of great people and had a lot of great, great stories that were shared. Um, a lot of great struggles. Um, but that's, that's kind of a part of our um, curriculum now. And then the care ministry has done a lot of great stuff. So there's some more resources that are available that you can adapt. Because here's the thing. Anxiety does not discriminate. does not care. Age, gender, economic status, race. Um, it's in your workplace. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your household. It might be even in your soul. Might be something that you 're struggling with um, this this morning, uh, and I guarantee you this talk is going to go way better than my dreams about this talk last night um, it 's it's just crazy what goes through your brain and it 's so vivid and you wake up and you 're like was that was that real no that wasn 't real i 'm in my bed um, but you know and it just reminds me as I was getting ready to do, um, talk this morning about, like, we really don't understand what's going on up here. We have no idea. Like, this is like, you know, like human beings, the pinnacle of God's creation, right? Creating his own image, the only thing created in his own image. And then he gives us this complicated brain with all of these functions. And, and when we think we know, we're just scratching the surface. And so um, I think that's why we got to be humble when we talk about um, issues of mental health, because we really, really don't understand how it all works. Um, but the Bible does give us some insight, and then we have a lot of good tools. Um, so it doesn't discriminate, too. It comes in all shapes and sizes. And so this was uh, helpful for me. Um, we've got, I've got a, a daughter, 17 year old daughter, who, I mean, she'd be general anxiety disorder classic if you read it in, in a book be like oh yeah that's her and so i've got some up close and personal experience and um so some of the things that we didn't notice earlier physical physical problems like headaches and sleeping not sleeping well and stomach aches you know they present as physical issues they really could be tied to anxiety um someone who might be an over planner you know you could look at that person and go man they're really meticulous Like, I want them on my team. They don't miss a detail. Well, they also might be really anxious. Um, Intolerance of uncertainty. You might go, man, that person's really stubborn. That employee, I mean, they just don't like change. I throw a new idea at them. They challenge everything. Um, It may be that anxiety is a big issue for them. Uh, Avoiding events, avoiding activities. You might say they're really inflexible or they're lazy. Um. It can also be anxiety, um, agitated, angry, anxiety induced. Um, here's one that kind of catches you by surprise, the irony, someone who has very high expectations for themselves and they perform really well. I mean, they are the valedictorian. They are the sales leader. They are the team leader. They're on the management track. And it it may be that they are a really anxious person and that is part of how they cope with their anxiety is high, high performance. We've got a girl downtown right now, let's say her name's Allison, valedictorian, high performer, high achiever, Um, COVID hits, workplace environments disrupted, work from home, work is disrupted, Um, relationships are disrupted and she just tanks. Doesn't see it coming surprises her scares her she moves home three hours away to be with her family because in Greenville she can't get out of bed and function day to day and more often than not I've I've just I've seen that be the case where um, people who have been quietly dealing with the waves of anxiety in their life all of a sudden the tsunami hits and it just knocks them down and they can't get up but the truth is, they've been, they've been battling those waves kind of by themselves, without tools, without relationships, without the scriptures. They've just been sucking it up. They've seen some of these symptoms, but they haven't really acknowledged maybe what was really going on under the surface. And they've been alone. But they have been coping well, and they have been sometimes performing really, really well. And then something hits that's too big for them. A life change, a loss. Uh, and then... They get get scared. Um, It happens a lot. We use synonyms. Stressed, overwhelmed, nervous. I'm worried. I'm afraid, fearful. um, But oftentimes what we're talking about is is anxiety. Um, Biblically, the the word sometimes gets uh, translated worry. Sometimes it gets translated anxiety or anxious. Sometimes it's cares or concerns. It's the same word. It um, just depends on which translation you're using. What is interesting, though, is that like in, in the Greek, I love this definition because I think it really helps us. It, it, it means a distracted or a divided mind. Something that is not whole, something that is being pulled apart, drawn in opposite directions. Um, and, and when you think about someone who's really struggling with their thoughts, a lot of times they'll tell you, I don't I don't want to I don't want to think about this. Like this way, I don't want to be um, captured by my thoughts. I don't want to um, struggle this with this, and, and and really, what they're what they're saying is, I am in a battle and I have a divided mind. And I think, biblically speaking, that's exactly the way the way that you see it. Um, incidentally, it's why when someone's really struggling with their thoughts and you say, "Hey, just don't worry about that. Just don't think about that." That's not very helpful, because if they could have done that, they already would have. And so they're, 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 the, the word, I think, helps us understand kind of what's, what's going on. Um, Mark chapter 4, uh, I'll, just, I'll just summarize this one for you. But this is the, uh, the farmer who plants the seeds, right? Four different types. The footpath, where Satan comes and takes it away. The rocky soil, receive the message, but there's no roots. So they fall away. Um, but then the part about the, the thorns... Uh, and let me let me read this um, part to you. I think this is very in, indicative of um, kind of where we can see this divided mind. Um, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of the light of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. Mm. So no fruit is produced. And, and you read that and you go, okay, desire for other things, yeah. Uh, big blanket statement, chasing after stuff that's not good for you. lure of wealth, yeah, just get that. Can't be, can't serve two masters. But then you just kind of read this, crowded out by the worries of this life. And I think all of us know exactly what that feels like. And it's, it, it sneaks up on you. The idea of, of a good thing that gets crowded, that gets choked, that, get pull, that gets pulled apart. And it equates the worries of this world with those, with those other things. And it says that if that's true, then that message, that seed, is, that's, that's thorns and it doesn't produce fruit. Um, so when I think about that, um, I really think about... Granted, both of the words are exactly the same in 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 the greek and they get translated a little different way but the way we experience it i think is um we have a worry we have something that we get fixated on an idea and but we know that like a a worry is like a weed like rarely do you see one in your yard they come in a cluster they spread so you have you have this worry but it's rarely isolated so it grows, and what happens over time is you become anxious. And this is just more the way we describe anxiety. It's this cluster of these worries that I, I have a hard time dealing with. And so someone uses a verb to say, I, I worry, um, or there are worry wart, right? But then the word anxiety tends to have this state of, of someone who is caught up in all of these concerns and all these worries. So again, same word biblically, but just how we express it. If someone says, I'm an anxious person, that means they have a pattern of all of these different worries and thoughts that they're having a hard time dealing with. Which incidentally, for a long time, when I would read Corinthians, it would talk about taking every thought captive to Christ. Like I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. And then when we started putting it through the lens of anxiety, I'm like, oh, I feel like that's exactly what that means. When I have something that is a legitimate concern, my family, my kids, school, work, employees, a lot of these things you were talking about, what do I do to handle that so that it doesn't just grow and grow and grow and move down this spectrum? So it's kind of like, this is one end, this at the other end. And so someone down here, they're just different. Like, they just don't really care. All right? That's not what we're talking about. They're apathetic. They don't really care. Someone over here is, is in a, um, a very, very difficult place where they may have an anxiety disorder, OCD, a phobia, um, PTSD. I mean, there's some legitimate sh- struggles that are not common. You know, in our church, we might say like 30 percent of folks find themselves down here. Um, Most of us are kind of right in here. And so what happens is we have. Concern. So I'm 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 concerned about my kids going to school. And and what the plan is going to be. I've got one entering into ninth grade. I've got two entering into uh, 12th grade. So I'm thinking about their senior year, and I don't want it to be screwed up. And I'm thinking about my freshman, and I want him to get off to a good start. So I have all these concerns. The world is broken. There are things to be concerned about. God has given you gifts to solve problems, to make the world a better place, to represent him. So there are things. I mean, there are concerns. That's why you lock your door at night, right? That's why you have passcodes on your phones. On your bank accounts. Like there are concerns that we need to take seriously. But what happens is when we have a concern, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to plan, prepare. So plan is like more mental, preparing, more physical. We pray. These aren't necessarily in the right order, right? Play, pray, plan, prepare. We know we do all those at the same time. And then you're supposed to just be able to move on. You're supposed to be able to release it. Um, that's why you have verses like First Peter five, seventeen. Cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. Uh, Philippians four six. You know, don't worry, don't be anxious. Do everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Th- that's why those verses have meaning because they express, express the reality of the world. There are things we are supposed to be concerned about. There are supposed we're things we're supposed to take action on. But we do that by planning, preparing, praying, and then we've just got to move on. We've got to proceed. We've got to let it go. And what happens if you can't let it go? You move further and further and further down this spectrum where you just get stuck. You get stuck. You get in this loop because you're planning and you're preparing. They can't change tomorrow. Tomorrow. There's no benefit from being a prophet. There's nothing that you can do to change what's going to happen uh, in the future, meaning you can't predict it. And so what happens, though, is we feel like we can take too much control and we get in this kind of mental cycle, mental loop, and we just find ourselves getting stuck. And um, this this kind of continuum is is what you see People move further and further and further down because you always get questions of, well, how much concern is too much? And uh, the college students ask, well, how much how much worrying is sinful? How much worrying is bad? You know, and and I would say, well, the Bible doesn't really give you a lot of room there. But I mean, legitimately, this is what we're talking about with with life. We're supposed to have these issues that we are supposed to be responsible for. But then we've got to let them go. We've got to let God take it. And if we grasp it too much, try to exert too much control, that's where we find ourselves in this mental loop, worry loop, and where you just kind of feel like you get stuck. Um, and so that, um, I think, describes a lot of what can you pass these out for me? A lot of what um, we see when anxiety finally presents itself is people who are just just stuck, and they don't know what to do. And they find themselves not being able to do normal everyday functions because their mental ability has begun to impact their physical, begun to impact relationships, begun to impact even how they think spiritually. And so, one of the um, one of the things that you have to do when you're I think language is important. That's why, you know, when someone says they struggle with anxiety, you want to say, well, tell me what that what that looks like. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about I'm worried about this. And, and then I like with my daughter, I like to say, OK, is it a worry or is it is it a concern that you have that we can name, that we can plan for, prepare for, pray about and then release? But no, we find out that if you ask that question, She's not really worried about something that's happening tonight. She's worried about something that's happening next year or something that might happen when she drives down the road or something that might happen with a friend or something that might happen, might happen, might happen. And there's really nothing we can do about that. But but those are the thoughts that get her stuck in her loop. But by naming them, you can actually have a conversation about, well, what can we do right now? And what do we just have to let go? And what you find is that underneath those worries that spread like weeds, that lead to this feeling stuck, underneath all of that are fears. Those are the real drivers. And so to be able to ask the question, tell me what you're afraid of to your children, to your wife, to yourself, to your neighbors, to your employees. Tell me what are you really, really afraid is going to happen And then you find that there's this great connection between the worry and the fear. So, someone might say, Well, I'm worried about getting sick. Well, really, what they're afraid of is they're afraid of dying. Or they're afraid of being uncomfortable. Or they're afraid if they're sick that they're going to have to be isolated, that there's going to be a stigma attached to it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can add infinitum, right? If they're afraid, if they're worried about losing income, well, what are they really afraid of? Not being able to provide an unfulfilled life, how they're going to be viewed by their peers. And so, you know, you, you really see this with the election. People are um, worried about the election. But if you just say, well, tell me what you're afraid of. Then you can get them really talking about the things that drive their behavior. Where they, well, I'm afraid of losing my freedoms. Well, what do you mean by freedom? And, and you can actually begin to pinpoint some of those things, then that you can actually do real work with them. And so, you but you got to get beyond this kind of worry anxiety level down to what are you afraid of and, and name it, give voice to it. And so, um, last, last minute, let me show you. I think the, the biggest thing that we could take away from. Our understanding of scripture, understanding of how um, God addresses this issue. It always comes underneath his, his character. So in passages like Matthew 6 or Luke 12, he talks about how we have these worries, but yet he takes care of the birds and he takes care of the flowers. And so if he's going to take care of them, how much more so is he going to take care of us? And, and it's interesting, particularly in, in Luke 12, he's very compassionate. You know, he says, um, little flock. Like, I, I know this is this is difficult. He's not harsh. He's not, you shouldn't worry about that. You're being stupid. You're not spiritual. You're foolish. He's like little flock. just And he's reminding people, this is who I am. Therefore, this is what I have done for you and what I can do for you. And so I think when... Um, you look at this, this. This came out of the Family Grace material. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make is um, we either neglect the spiritual or we make everything spiritual. Mm. So you see the spirituality is at the core. And out of that comes, you know, you have the mental, you have the physical, you have the relational. And so sometimes when people are struggling, we want to make it all about their spiritual life. So like this, this girl that's a wonderful girl, delightful girl who had to move home with her parents would be really easy just to say, well, I mean, she's just not trusting God. I think there's something a lot bigger going on there. Um, And then the other mistake would be, well, all she needs to do is just go see a counselor and she'll be fine. Just get some good coping strategies. Maybe she just go see a doctor, get on some medication. She'll be fine. That would be another huge error. And so what I find is in these complex issues that we don't fully understand, we look for quick, simple answers. And that's a mistake. And so what we need to be well-versed is having um, a more holistic approach that addresses the spiritual, the mental, the physical, and the relational. When someone is really struggling with a mental issue, particularly something like anxiety. And so that might involve going to see a doctor might involve a counselor, definitely involves um, friends, family, small group, um, past- pastoral care. But best case, probably needs to be all that for someone to really have this kind of wholeness experience. And so, you know, there's some examples here. I just kind of ripped this out of a page. Um, but I think you get the, get the picture of how um, complex we are as human beings. And how um, God wants us to be whole. He doesn't just want one part of us to be okay. He wants all of us to be okay. And so I think this is, this is helpful. This is where um, we're striving as a church to think well, to have tools, resources, conversations, um, referrals, and experience to be able to see people um, experience that type of wellness or wholeness in their life. I'll stop there. So thanks for letting me share that. <coughs> Any um, thoughts or questions? And then we have several things to move on.